1: Welcome to episode 208 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today I have the privilege to talk with Trent, Vincent's dad. I absolutely loved talking with Trent today. He was just such a proud dad, so excited to be a dad, loved every second of being a dad. That's my favorite part of doing podcasts hearing the wonderful stories and hearing the proud parents talk about their amazing kids. Unfortunately, Vincent died of SIDS only four months after making Trent a dad. Now his life may be over, but Trent has gone on to share him on social media in ways that he wouldn't have expected. He posts a picture of Vincent every single day, a new one, getting to share new memories with people all over the world. I just know you're going to love hearing about Vincent just as much as I did. Thank you so much, Trent, for coming on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I really am looking forward to talking.
2: Yes, thank you for having me. I was really excited that you you know responded to my email and we're like, yep, let's get you on here.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was one of those things that I think you started following me on Instagram or something, I think, wasn't it? And then I followed you back. And then, then, you, yep. <laughs> then you sent me a message, and then I got an email, and then everything kind of took off from there. So I like talking to all sorts of different people. I love having dads on because I don't get to have as many dads on <laughs> to be able to hear perspectives. And of course, I just love hearing about stories of kids and their parents. And even though the stories are sad, they still warm my heart in many ways because I feel like I get to know these kids and I get to know their amazing parents, too. So why don't you just start out by telling us about your Vincent?
2: Yes. So, uh, you know, we my wife and I found out that we were pregnant or she was pregnant uh, early last year. And, you know, it's one of those things that I've always wanted to be a dad. Yeah and just so excited about it. I mean yeah. couldn't be happier. And you know living in, we live in Chicago and our parents and our family all lives in Minnesota so we're like okay how are we going to tell them, <laughs> you know, and so we go up to Minnesota and we got some like coffee mugs that were uh that were made that say, you know, the best moms get promoted to grandma you know and that's how we were because you know both our moms drink coffee so like that's how that's how we're going to tell them
3: oh wow
2: you know so we made a trip up to minnesota and you know started with my parents and gave them the coffee cup and they're at my dad's office and they open it and, you know obviously when they're first looking at it, they're like oh cool a coffee mug and then once they actually read it they're like oh my gosh yeah. everybody was crying everybody's so happy and and actually uh where my dad's office is, my uncle was living there with my aunt, and you know, they came down and my uncle had a stroke earlier on pre- the previous year. Mm-hmm. You know, so he came down and he was in his walker, and we're like, Oh, yeah, we're pregnant. He's he's looking around for like a little kid running around already. <laughs> we're like, no, 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 he's not here yet. You know, we gotta <laughs> wait a little bit of time for that. It was just it was just amazing to tell my parents and their reaction both sides of the family. It was uh, the first grandbaby for our parents, and yeah. You know, for both sides. And that was just, it was just re- amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, so then going to tell the siblings and the way we told our siblings was my mom had coffee in her cup and she was just drinking it, you know, at dinner time and she never, never has coffee at <laughs> dinner time. So it took them a little while to realize, like, hey, what is she doing, you know, drinking coffee out of that thing? Um, they are all excited too because, you know, it's their first nephew and, yeah. yeah, it was just really amazing. And, you know, all the doctor's appointments were going fantastic. And mm-hmm. we started looking ahead at, okay, what do we all need? And it's like, well, apparently you need everything when you're having a, your first baby. <laughs> you, know? you do. Even the things that you don't even think about, you're like, oh my gosh, I need that, that, and that. And it's like, okay, let's, let's get a list and start going and, you know, picking away at it. And, you know, we, we wanted to hold off to find out what the sex of the baby was going to be
3: uh-huh.
2: and we're both like okay let's let's wait you know let's wait till he's you know till the yeah. baby's born and then find out well that lasted until the first doctor's appointment when they said okay we know the sex how do you want to find out you know they're like we're like let's just write down a piece of paper and put it in an envelope right we got okay. to the car and o- we got to the car and opened that thing up right away <laughs> <laughs> we could not wait <laughs> So we said we wanted to wait until we got the temptation of, well, we know what it's going to be, you know, and that's when we found out it's going to be a boy. yeah And I kind of knew it was going to be a boy and everybody says that, but you know, they think they know what it's going to be. But I guess I just wanted a boy. So, yeah. you know, first baby, first grandbaby, first nephew, like a boy, you know, it's, that's what's going to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 You yeah. know, and all, everything was going fantastic. And then, You know, I was putting off, we were sending a lot of people out of town for work and I was, I kept putting it off and putting it off. I'm like, finally in uh, August. I was like, okay, I'll I'll go out to California for, you know, eight days and do that. Well, while I was out there, we went to a doctor, my wife went to a doctor's appointment and that's when they said, okay, like he's, you know, he's not growing like we'd want him to. So uh, we're probably going to induce, you know, like three weeks early. He was supposed to be due September 27th. I think it was. Mm -hmm. So so they're like, okay, you know what? Whatever week mark is when we're gonna mm. induce labor.
1: Yep, thirty-seven weeks probably. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm out of town during this time, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, you know, like whatever, you know, between these two weeks, like we gotta have the baby." Yeah. And then also, I got off the phone with my wife, and I was sitting in the car, and I'm like, "Okay," I was doing the math. I'm like, "That's like in three weeks." I said, "We are not ready for this <laughs> <laughs> in the coming three weeks. Like, we still got so much to do." Yeah. You know, so then we I got back from that trip and I was like, okay, it's go time. You know, right. let's, let's get everything figured out. It took us forever to pick out his name. We could not agree on anything. We did all the apps where you kind of like, you know, swipe right. If you like the name and it matches and we had a list and we, we finally decided on Vincent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was just one of those names that we just both loved. Yeah. And then the middle name. Okay. Well, now let's figure out the middle name. Right. And we, we decided middle name. Initially on uh, Andrew, okay. uh, I had a cousin that was 10 years old that passed away in 2005. Um, his name was Andrew and my wife had a cousin who she was very close with, you know, still close friends with uh, his name was Andrew as well. So we're like, okay, wow. Vincent, Andrew.
1: And obviously that name is really special to me since that's what my. yep.
2: Yes, absolutely. And the only people we told about that middle name was, was my aunt whose mm-hmm. son it was that passed away in 05. Yeah, You know, so then we're getting ready. We're supposed to go to the doctors, you know, so I think September, I think it was August 31st, like the last day in August is when we're supposed to, uh, supposed to go to the doctors to be induced. But then of course we're like, okay, we're ready. We call them. They're like, oh no, you know, we'll call you when we're ready. We're full up right now. I'm like. I'm like what <laughs> like, that, you told us this day like we had an appointment like every oh, all the other babies can wait like we had an appointment
1: i know you know that <laughs> happened to us with our third actually and I, oh, really? I had scheduled to get our floors refinished in our house so the the construction people were there we could not be in our house and they're like yeah we can't we're too busy we can't have you right now like are you kidding me right now? The, ki- <laughs> the other kids with grandma and grandpa, I have no house. We have no place to go. So we just like <laughs> wandered around Grand Rapids for like 12 hours until they were ready to have oh us. Oh my gosh. It was, it was really funny. <laughs> like that's what I get for trying to be really smart and getting my floors refinished. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I totally get that. That's like, <laughs> right? what? What? Like, we're playing. on We have an appointment.
2: This. Like make make room.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. So then they, they're like, okay, we'll call you. And it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, by this time, you know, we've called numerous times, it was like nine o'clock at night. We're like, okay, let's just try to go to bed. Of course we go to bed. And then two hours later, they call us. They're like, okay, you can come in now. It's like 11 o'clock at night or whatever. It was late at night. We're like, okay, let's go. So we we got in there and, you know, she she was induced and uh, had him on September 1st. Mm But a couple days prior, you know, a few days prior to that is when my uncle that had the strokes, uh, he passed away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his his name was Brad. Yeah. And I remember looking at my wife and I was like, what about Vincent Bradley? Yeah. You know, and with how difficult it was for us to pick a name, we immediately agreed on that. Yeah. That our son's name was going to be Vincent Bradley. So, of course, you know, nobody knew about that. And I felt bad because I already told my aunt, you know, hey, we're naming Vincent Andrew. And I was like, oh, well, we're we're changing that now.
1: But I'm sure she understood.
2: Oh, totally understood. She's like, yep, I I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. So Vincent was born September 1st, uh, 9.47 p.m. And he weighed four pounds, two ounces. So he was small. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've babysat for babies before and infants and... I mean, he was the smallest, <laughs> the smallest baby I have ever seen,
3: Yeah,
2: you know, even like holding him. I was like, you know, babies are fragile, but I felt like he was like the most fragile thing in the world. Yeah. You know, he's 17 inches long and he passed all, I don't know, there was like four or five tests or three to four tests that they had to do to keep him out of the NICU. Mm-hmm. He passed all of them. I was like, yep, Mm. he's strong. You know, he's a strong little guy. (laughs) Even for being a little bit early, he's a strong little guy. So, like, that's, like, my first moment of, like, me just being so proud of him was, like, hey, you know, even though you're tiny right now, like, you're doing good. (laughs) You know, keep it up, buddy.
1: Tiny but mighty. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. that's right. So, we were there at the hospital two days. Then they released us. And walking out to the car, I'm, like... You know, no nurses came with me to the house. Like, no doctors came with me to the house. I'm like, what is going on? Like, where's the handbook? You know, like they just released.
1: Yeah, we're just going home with a the baby.
2: They were just going home with his little baby. So you know, of course, I'm sure, like most people, I drove, wife rode in the back with him, you know, to make sure everything's going good and. Like, okay, we just fed him, he just had a diaper change, like we should be able to make it, you know, 35 minutes to the house without having to stop. We were just so nervous about all that, you know, because we didn't we didn't know. Yeah. So we got to the house and you know, while we were at the uh hospital, you know, we we're so fortunate that we had both our parents come into town and oh, they got nice. to meet him right away. And mm-hmm. My sister-in-law and her boyfriend got to meet him right away, too. They were actually in town for some some concert or music festival. So it just worked out fantastic. You know, then we got home and I was like, oh, man. You know, he was so small. I was so nervous, Yeah. you know, that, you know, I was staying up the first two weeks. I was staying up till 3, 4, five o'clock in the morning with him just watching TV. Like, you know, we're like, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to fall asleep when he was sleeping with you know with both of us, it's just that those nerves, you know, got to me. Sure. I was like, I'm off of work, so like I might as well just do that and wait till my wife wakes up and you know, hand him off to her. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then you know, his typical baby stuff. And you know, he's since he was so small, he was on like this high, high calorie formula. And then he started, you know, he was he was fussy quite a bit. Yeah. You know, but it's like one of those things like you wouldn't have a bowel movement for a couple of days. Where like I thought babies, poop, you know, pooped all the time. And like what's what's going on? You know, doctors like that's that's fine. Like as long as he's peeing, everything's going yeah. good. You know, but he would get you know on that third day without a bowel movement or something like that, he would get super fussy and all day until he would go, and then he would just sleep. You know, so it took us like you know two two and a half months that we we finally switched the east stuff, and it was like night and day difference. Like he was. Yeah. You know, going all the time like a normal you know, like what I thought a normal baby was, you know, and not as fussy and stuff like that. I mean there's times where like we would we would cry when he'd have a bowel boom because we're like, oh the you know, the because we just feel the relief for him, you know, like here we go. Oh, like
1: poor little guy.
2: Yeah, and then like all the doctor's appointments, he was growing. Yeah, you know, and it was just it was amazing. You know, I everybody was tired. But yeah. it's like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like we have our son here. Like I'll I'll be tired all of my life, you know, as long as I got my son here and I can I can worry about him all I want, you know. And yeah, and, you know, we've made so many trips to Minnesota. Yeah. And like it, that was wearing me out too. Cause like, you know, it's a six and a half hour drive to our parents' place. And it's like, man, this is this is brutal. But looking back on it, I'm so grateful for every trip we made. I mean yeah. You know, there's even one time we called uh, to have my mom come down to babysit for, you know, three or four days. I was like, I felt bad asking her, but it was so amazing that she was able to spend that time with them. Yeah. Like, you know, that's one of those things that there's not one thing in my life now that I would change.
1: That's beautiful.
2: Based on, you know, all this, just because who knows what that little change would have done. So like, it's easy for me to now to say that I would not change one single thing. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's everybody always looks back, you know, thinking like, oh, what if I did this for me right now? No. Up to that point, absolutely nothing.
1: That's good. That's good to live without that, without those regrets.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just that little like mindset has helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then, you know, we we brought him to. I remember, so I created a uh, Instagram page and post little stories about Vincent and stuff like that. And I just posted yesterday about our visit to the pump pumpkin patch. Uh-huh. And it was a little cold out in Minnesota, so we had them all bundled up. And we set him with a bunch of other pumpkins, looked just like a pumpkin, you know, in there. <laughs> and he just like aligned perfectly with all the pumpkins, and like it was just so cold. And I remember there was no uh, no bathrooms there. There's only porta potties. Well, we had to change his diaper. So there we are in the middle of, like, the gift shop where people are eating. And I'm like, okay, we got to change his diaper here, you know. So I'm holding up a blanket and (laughs) blocking the view from everybody while we're changing his diaper. It's just, you know, little things like that. Like, just, you love it, you know. And
1: Memories are so precious.
2: You know, they they really are. Yeah, They really are. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, he was four months in one day. But, you know, the memories... Like, I think there's so few, but when I look yeah. back, there's so many, you know, like I said, he was fussy a lot, you know, cause like we think it was cause of formula. Right. Well, he would love bath time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he, he could be the fussiest baby in the world and you put him in a bath and he is calm looking around Nice. nice. and bath time for me, was special with him because I would always be the, you know. He was so small and he had a hard time lifting his head up. So I would go in the bathtub with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every time we gave him a bath, I was the one in there in the tub with him. So like, for me, it was like extra special, right? you know, shampooing his hair and, you know, he, was, he would be calm and also randomly just kick off my stomach and push himself back and flail his arms, <laughs> yeah. you know, so like, it's just, those are, that's another thing where I'm just so glad I did so many baths with him. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we did that, and I was fortunate that I was able to, uh, you know, I put on swim trunks at my parents' house, and I was like, "Mom, come, like, come in here, like, look at how you know awesome he, you know, how much he loves the bathtub." (laughs) So she comes in there and she's taking photos of me, you know, like kicking, you know, swimming, trying to swim around, you
3: know.
2: Just those, yeah, love the memories of
1: them. Yeah, love them. I'm
2: sure you do, you know, and got to spend Christmas in Minnesota with our, uh, you know, both sides as well, you know, and that was very, that was very special to us, Yeah. you know, especially now and all the siblings got to, you know, hang out with their nephew and all my siblings got to hang out with their nephew on Christmas and yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately I got when I was, I wasn't, my wife went to Minnesota like a week prior to Christmas and I wasn't able to go there because I had to work. And then we had a big ice storm that came through, mm-hmm. you know, this past December 23rd 20, to the 24th. So I wasn't able to go back home mm-hmm. right away. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to drive six and a half hours and on a sheet of ice. Right. So I ended up waiting until Christmas morning and left at like three o'clock in the morning to get up there. I was <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to miss Christmas with my son, you know, especially the first Christmas. Yeah. So many gifts. Oh my gosh. You know, as you can imagine, the first grand baby, there was, so there we are in a Ford Explorer with all the baby stuff, two dogs, trying to figure out how we're going to pack all the stuff to bring back to Chicago. Um, Oh, and talking about the dogs. So I have a uh, Belgian Malinois and a German Shepherd.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm a police officer. So my Shepherd was a, he's a retired now, you know, he's a former canine.
3: Yeah. Those
2: dogs freaking loved vincent like it was it was unbelievable and the malinois you know vincent slept in the bassinet in our master bedroom and anytime he would make a peep the malinois would get up on the bed and stand over my wife and stare into the bassinet like hey like he's crying like
1: something going on something going on yeah
2: you guys got you guys got to do Do something something. he's crying right now yeah like anytime we'd change him the law would be between you and the table while you were changing them. Like just looking up at the table, can't even see him, you know, but she knows he's there. So just, I knew they were going to be best friends, you know, both the dogs and him. And, and they were so protective of him. I'm like, even when I was at work, I was like, yeah, I was like the house is safe. Yeah. <laughs> These dogs would do everything they could to protect, you know, to protect Vincent. Yeah. He's just, he was amazing kid. And yeah. Love the guy, you know, and
1: yeah, I can hear it. I can hear that love <laughs> in your voice. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like even more story. Like I said, there's I feel like there's not many, but it's like I just need things like trigger those memories because there's times even now, right? Thinking back where I come up with new memories, you know, of when he was here with us. Yeah, you know, and oh. <laughs> So he was so small that he wasn't able to uh, get circumcised in the hospital. Uh So we had to like make an appointment and they were going to do it after the fact. And that day I ended up bringing him to the doctor's appointment by myself. And it was like 45 minutes to an hour away. Uh I'm like, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) You know, I'm all nervous. Every time I was at a stop sign or a stoplight, I'm, I'm reaching back with my phone to take a picture of the yeah. car seat to make sure he's safe you know and he, he's always looking around or doing whatever he's doing yeah so i brought him to that appointment and i remember just sitting in the waiting room all these kids would look over and the uh, different people there like they're all curious about the baby you know and yeah. stuff like that and it just felt so great to show him off
1: like yeah, yeah. proud dad mm-hmm
2: here's my son, like, you know, I know he's the cutest baby in the world, you know, so <laughs> you, you can look, you know, but don't touch, like, we're at a doctor's <laughs> office here, so don't be touching him or anything, <laughs> but just, love that, just so, you know, that proud, it, like yeah. you said, it's a proud dad moment, like, I just loved it, and I able to do that by, you know, knowing I could do that by myself, too, like, you know, I was 33 years old, and I'm like, yeah, I can, I can take care of a baby, like you yeah, know, I, got, I this. got this. I got this.
3: <laughs>
2: and like you know, after we got done, I was like, oh great, now I gotta feed them and stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, just stay in here as long as you want. So there I was in the doctor's office feeding them, and it'd take them forever to eat a bottle. So I am over there holding them. He's just you know, sweat. I am just I am just sweating. Like <laughs> I, I run warm, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I just I just loved it. Like I was I am sitting in a doctor's office, which I hate going to the doctor, but I love it like I was with yeah. my son I was taking care of him I, I loved it it was it was weird but I yeah, yeah I just you know Then of course on the way back home again every stop sign taking photos and I had a thing where from the day he was born any, any photo of him that I took no matter how shaky it was or bad it was I kept them. Yeah, I was like I'm never going to delete a photo or a video of my son and I'm so glad I didn't because
1: I'm so glad too. You
2: know, nowadays with everybody has a camera accessible on their phones, like we have so many photos. I mean, thousands of them. Yeah. You know, he's here for 4 months and we have thousands of photos, <laughs> you know. So I was fortunate for that as well that we took so many photos and I wish I would have taken more of course, but yeah. I'm glad I got the ones that I do.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you have so many. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so such a gift that we have that you wouldn't have had. Yeah, you know, years ago.
2: Exactly. And then my, you know, my grandma lives in one of my grandmas lives in Minnesota, and you know, she got to meet him. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to hold him, and you know, he he had a really hard time lifting his head up. So like we were obviously nervous about anybody that was holding him, and there she is, like leaning him forward like pinching his cheeks to like support his head or like well we've never held him that way before but you know so we were both like sitting very close by just in case you know so but she she loved it she's like oh my gosh you know yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah so you know so many people got to meet him i wish i wish everybody in the world was able to meet him but you can only do so much you know to introduce them to people and stuff so
1: yeah. Well, do you want to talk now about what happened to Vincent? I know it's not a happy thing to talk about. but
2: uh, Yeah. I don't want to, but I definitely yeah. will. Yeah. You know, it was important for me to mm-hmm. talk about what happened with Vincent and stuff just because I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober, you know, seven years now. And I know from that that I need to talk about stuff yeah. to people that I trust and the people that will not only understand but try to understand yeah because otherwise if i hold that stuff in it just eats away at me so that's you know that's one of the reasons why i wanted to come on here too is to talk about vincent but also talk about that stuff because you know what better audience than what your podcast is focused on yeah
1: you are so right you are so right
2: so what happened to vincent was um Around Christmas time while he was in Minnesota, he, he had like a little cough and th- we ended up doing like a virtual doctor visit and, you know, with the, like the FaceTime and stuff. Sure, and sure. my mom was able to help out, like, sh- you know, show his breathing and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they pretty much said like, Hey, with, with all the RSV going around and stuff like that, like as long as he's, you know, peeing, pooping, eating
3: yeah,
2: and all this other stuff doesn't have a fever like doesn't have trouble breathing. Like, don't worry about bringing him in. Cause we had a, his four month checkup was on like January 3rd, I think like something like that. So we're like, they're like, just wait till that, like, unless he gets a fever, has trouble breathing then bring him to the hospital. Yep. Um, So we got back to uh, Chicago and on January 1st, we uh, you know, I got home from work and everything was just totally normal. You know, usually when I get home from work, I'd feed him and, I ended up uh, that day. I was I was playing with his pacifier and like uh-huh. just like rubbing it on his lips, you know, until you like poke out with his tongue, and it became like a game for like fifteen minutes, where like he would just play with his tongue on the pacifier. So I think he was like just discovering like his tongue, you know, <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. And it was so awesome, and of course, you know, wife wasn't a big fan because as soon as I handed him over to her. She put the pacifier in him and immediately just spit it right back out because his yeah. tongue was just going like, Let's crazy. just play the
1: game. <laughs> let's play the game, mom.
2: Right? So then I, uh, you know, we go to bed that night. Everything was totally normal. Yeah. Um, I was sleeping in the uh, guest room, which I often did when I work. So I work 12-hour shifts and I got to get up at 5 a.m. So Vincent was sleeping the best night in our bedroom. So I'm like, okay, he's going to, you know, I'll just leave him in there. And I, I usually sleep in the guest room on the days I work. So right. I can get some decent sleep. Yeah. On, you know, that next morning on January 2nd at about, it was probably around 420 in the morning. My wife came in holding, holding Vincent. And she was saying, she said, I remember it. It's ingrained in my memory. She said, he's not breathing. He's not breathing. He's not breathing. Yeah. And it was in the most panicked, but calm voice. So I uh I grabbed him right away and he was still still warm, still you know, limp and stuff, and did the sternum rub on him and no reaction. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, like we got something serious here. Yeah. So immediately went to the uh we had this whole <laughs> we had his whole diaper changing set up on the kitchen table. Yeah. Right in our, you know, kitchen. And we have a light that's like above it that we were able to like It keeps a really low light, but you can still go in there and like change them and stuff like that. So, run to the kitchen table and put them on there. There was no pulse, no breathing. Um, so I started CPR. Right. You know, like I said, I'm a police officer. I've been training CPR, but I'd never had to give CPR to anybody, and here I am. My first time ever is on myself. So I was giving him CPR. And uh, you know, wife called 911. She got the dogs downstairs or down in their kennels, so that, that way we, you know, the police could come in without having to worry about the dogs. And and you know, I mentioned the light before because it was still really dark. And the whole time I was given CPR, something inside me was just like, Hey, it's gonna it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Like, you know, he's gonna he's gonna start crying any second now. And then I asked my wife to turn the lights on. And once she did that, all that hope just washed away. Right. You know, he was pale, purple lips, you know, just like, oh man. And at about that time, shortly after is when the police got there and they, you know, I immediately handed him off to police. And I remember, you know, as a police officer, that's your worst call you're ever going to get. Yeah. And those cops sprinted through the door and took them and sprinted out of there. Brought to the ambulance. And we're just sitting there like, well, what now? You know, and the police are sitting there asking us questions and all this stuff. We're like, can we just go to the hospital? Yeah, Like, I don't care what you guys need to do in the house. Like, just we need to get to the hospital so we rushed over there and i don't think i've ever driven so fast as i did going to the hospital they wouldn't let us ride in the ambulance with them and we get to the hospital and they're like okay like we got a sitting room for you guys and i felt like we were in there for days yeah i mean it was forever and this guy shows up and we're like, you know, who are you? You know, he didn't even really say a word. But then we were, were finally able to go see Vincent, and there he was in the ER on a full size table, just him. Yeah, they were giving him CPR you know the breasts. and there's probably eight or nine nurses and doctors in there. Numerous of them, I could see they're they were crying,
3: yeah. and.
2: Doctors next to me telling me all the stuff they did to try to save him. Yeah, they're like, you know, at this point, even if we do get a pulse, that they're pretty much telling me he's gone.
1: Yeah, it's been too long.
2: So I ended up stopping, you know, the CPR and everything. And and he passed away, you know, at 5 twenty five a.m. So mm-hmm. within an hour of me being woken up, my son was gone. And just, it was the absolute most terrible thing in the
1: world. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem possible, does it? No. No.
2: And it was amazing to me how something switched in my mind when I was giving him CPR. Yeah. There's, you know, he's going to pop out of this. He's going to pop out of this. And then as soon as those lights came on, it was like, no, Trent, he's not.
1: It's so funny because this so reminds me of my husband because my husband did CPR on Andy at the accident scene. And he just kept, it was just like you. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. All I need to do is get him some volume. You know, he's losing blood. All I need to do is get him volume. All I need to do is this. I just need to get an IVN. I just need to. And I think it was only when I asked him, is he going to be okay? And he initially said yes and then stopped. And then said they're doing the best they can. I almost think, I almost wonder if that's when it really hit him, when I asked him. Yeah. Because his first instinct was yes, and he just, I remember him telling me later, like, I just thought it was going to be okay. I thought, I mean, obviously, he's doing CPR on him, and he has blood coming out of his mouth and nose, like, it's not okay. But I think you just can't believe that it isn't going to be okay. And like me, turning around, seeing these people doing CPR on him, he's got a needle coming out of his chest and and I ask is he going to be okay clearly he's not going to be okay yeah but I just don't think you can believe it right away you know
2: you know I'm talking about believing it like I still don't believe it Yeah, like it's everything logically in my mind says he is gone right but my heart says nah You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, he's gone. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, but I was, I was happy, but not happy that I was the one that was giving him CPR Yeah. because I knew I was doing everything I could to save my son.
1: Right. Right.
2: But at the same time, it's like, well, what could I have done differently? So I talk about, you know, before I talked about, I wouldn't change anything in the past about my life. Yeah. But then this comes off and it's like, well, you know, what if, what
1: if. Yeah. You know, Those what ifs you do to yourself. Yeah. I think we all do it as parents. All of us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was truly a terrible day. So I remember sitting there at the hospital and, you know, I had my hand on Vincent's forehead and I just kept it there the whole time we were at the hospital. You know, once we got to finally see him. And I took my hand off for one second and put it back on, like, a different spot. And it was ice cold. Yeah. So I put my hand right back where I had it before and it was still warm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep this there, keep them warm.
1: Yeah.
2: And then having the call, you know, my parents.
1: Yeah. Horrible call to have to make. Yeah.
2: them that their grandson. It really. Worst call.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Worst call I've ever made. Worst call I'm sure they've ever had. And it's just.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, but every I had to call people. And every time I called someone, they said, what? And I had to say it twice. Every time I had to say it twice. Yeah. Because they just couldn't believe it.
2: And I I knew I wouldn't be able to call anybody. I I called my parents, and I'm like, I need you guys to assign somebody else to call or text people and let them know. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Then the people come and get him from the hospital. Like, okay, we're here to take your son. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, You ain't taking him anyway, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah.
1: It's hard, too, when I'm sure you had to go through this because he died at home. They would need to try to figure out what happened, right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, so the people that came to get him were there to do the autopsy, you know, as the medical examiners. Sure. So when we get back to the house, we're both just sitting there. In silence, yeah. like, what now? You know, then all the first knock on the door was somebody from, you know, Child Protective Services. Yeah. We're like, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, give us a minute. But you know, I I understand that they have their things they got to do and their investigation and everything. So you know, we were very accommodating, and I don't know if this girl was new. Or what, but you know, she didn't even tell us like what's going on. She was just telling us like all the things that we could be charged with and stuff like that. We're like oh my word. We're like, no, like you know, is I honestly looking back now, I felt bad for her more than <laughs> it was uncomfortable for me because I know it was uncomfortable for her. Um, you know, they came and looked through, you know, all the stuff, looked through the house, they took photos of everything and you know, because of course our family's six and a half hours away. And they were they were on their way right away, you know. But we had six and a half hours of just almost silence, of like, what do we do? Yeah. What now?
3: Yeah.
1: Well, it is hard that I, I. I bet she doesn't even have didn't even have a ton of training. To be honest, I, you know, Gwen, who I do all of my so many of my podcasts with, and I are working on doing training for the state of Michigan for um, the county health. The nurse is the, is often the one that comes to the house first. And so we're doing training for that and doing training for different people that work for the state on kind of what to do. uh, In these instances, because they really have never had training on it and they, it's, they have to kind of just almost wing it. And it's not something you should have to do. Right. No.
2: It's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to the parents. No, it's not. Or anybody involved.
1: So I'm glad we're doing that for this state, but I hope they can start doing that other places too, because it's just, it's a horrible situation to walk into without any idea of what you're doing. Yeah. And of course, these parents are all in such shock, right?
2: Yeah. I think I'm still in shock. I mean, this happened, it's August 1st now, I mean, this happened seven or eight months, seven, eight months ago. And (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like, I'm still in shock. I know I'm still in shock. I
1: I I think you are too. I feel like the shock for me didn't start to wear off until maybe six months. Then it starts to wear off. And that's when I think the shock kind of protects you in some ways a little bit. Because if you can't fully believe it, then you can't live it every second because living it and feeling it every second. Oh, I mean, that's just horrible, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that morning when Vincent passed away that I called my aunt. Yeah. The aunt of my uh, cousin that passed away. And I called her, you know, all I could say was, what do I do now? Yeah. What do I do? and you know what she just said just be patient with yourself
1: yeah give yourself grace
2: and i think about that a lot you know anytime i get tired or frustrated i just think of like hey just be patient okay. be patient with yourself and that that's helped me through a lot mm-hmm. but it's you know i feel like a lot of it now is just you know like, when I say it helps me through a lot, it'll help me through that moment. <laughs> right. Because I I don't and still to this day, like I haven't thought about the future of what life would have looked like with Vincent in it. Yeah. Because that's just overwhelming. It is. You know, my my sister called me one day and was like, Hey, you know, I, I can't remember if she had a dream or like a vision. She's very she's one of those like very spiritual, you know, and sees and feels different things from like her environments and stuff of like others that have passed and things. And she's like, yeah, I had this dream that, you know, I was running around with Vincent and all this stuff. And I just started crying. Like, I haven't even thought about that stuff. Like that is just too much. Like I, I love hearing other people's visions and stuff of Vincent. Love it. You know, even if it doesn't connect with me, I still love hearing them. Cause I was, you know, you always hear about these stories of people that have loved ones that have passed where like, they see a butterfly and like, oh, that's, that's them, you know, or they see a heart, you know, I think with my cousin is always a heart. If you see a heart in nature, you know, that's, that's Andrew, you know, saying, Hey, I'm here. And like, I never really, I never really believed in that. And I say that in the aspect of like, I know that person that's telling me this truly believes that. Mm-hmm. And I I love it. But like for me, it like never really just never hit home. You know, like I would always see hearts and stuff like that and send it to my aunt and be yeah. like, hey, like, you know, here, <laughs> Andrew's yeah. here, you know, type of stuff.
1: Here's a gift for you. Mm-hmm.
2: But for me, it never really sunk in. You know, now it does. I think it was the day after Vince had passed, we were driving to the the funeral home. Because mm-hmm. you know, you people don't understand like how much stuff there is and phone calls you're supposed to make after all this to get the ball rolling and it's like holy cow like i know you know it's like googled funeral homes found one and they were fantastic like i was glad i clicked on whatever (laughs) whatever funeral home i popped up i'm glad i clicked on them because they were fantastic but my wife and i and my parents were in the back seat we're driving to the funeral home you know we get to the parking lot hundreds of spots and pretty much all empty and I pick a random spot and I, I go to pull in. I back in my parking spots 99% of the time. This time I decided to pull in. Yeah. And I I stopped halfway in the spot because I saw something sitting in the middle of the parking spot. Dead center. And I remember everybody in the car looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, just pulling in the spot. And I started getting out of the car. And the only thing I could say was, uh, was Vincent. I got out and I grabbed what I saw. It was a pacifier. Oh. And it was not only just a pacifier, it was the same brand, same colour, and same size that he used.
1: Oh my word.
2: And at that moment right there, I then understood what everybody else sees. Yeah. When they say that's my that's my person. Yeah. Whether it's a butterfly, a cardinal, a heart, I I now get it. You're right. I guess I'm a, I'm in the believer club now. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, you're right. Had you picked another parking spot or had you backed in or had you done any one of a number of different things, you wouldn't have seen yeah, it.
2: Exactly. And I, I still have that pass I travel with it. It sits in the car uh, for the first four months. I mean, I brought this thing with me everywhere, Yeah. you know, and, there's probably been about four instances or five instances where people have sent me photos of pacifiers they had found. but the very first time that I got a message from somebody about the pacifier two hours later another person sent me Wow so it's like okay yeah you know okay. <laughs> if one person sees a pacifier like it's like okay you know there's Vincent but then also two on the same day within a within a couple hours of each other, like a month or two after he had passed, okay. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely him.
1: And you know what's funny? I feel like today I'm probably going to see a pacifier. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, send me a photo of it. <laughs> I have to
3: do
1: that. It, it, I, I love hearing stories like this because it. Every time I look at a pacifier, I'll think of him. Now, you know, yeah. and that's just what a little gift I get from being able to talk to all these, a few amazing parents, to know that. I'm going to think of him, too. And that's a gift to you, too, to know
2: that. Absolutely.
1: And everyone listening today, next time they see a pacifier, they're probably going to think of you and your Vincent. Yeah. I just love that.
2: And that's exactly what, like, I try to do. You know, I made wristbands Mm -hmm. and tons of people are wearing them. I see photos of them with them still on. You know, like, I, I was never very big into social media. Yeah, And I took my Instagram page and deleted all my old photos, you know, my, over the last five years, all my three photos I had on there and yeah. I dedicated to Vincent, you know, just started posting photos of him every day. And I've been doing that since like a couple weeks after his passing. And to try to say a little bit of, you know, a little story about him or what I'm going through that day or something like that. Just because I want people to see him. Right. And I want people to know his story because if they pick up on something on one of those photos and all of a sudden they're out and about that day and they see something that reminds me like, oh, I just saw that on Instagram of Vincent, you know, or even if they say that baby, like if they can't remember his name, like it's still him, you know. <laughs> right.
1: Right. I love that. I mean, that's what we want, right? Our white, we want our kids to be remembered. Yes. And especially when they're taken away as children, and in your case, as a little, little baby. Yeah. You feel like not very many people are going to remember Vincent, but the more you can spread his story out, the more people will.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was four months and one day old when he passed. Yeah. And I remember seeing that one day on the... Death certificate, and I just, you're like, okay, I was fortunate for that one more day. Yeah. But then I look back, I'm like, no, I was fortunate for every day that I had with him. And I'm still fortunate every day now with the memory of him. Right. And the lives that he's still touching, even though he's not here with us on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a co worker of mine, you know, it's hard for me because, like, I love people to talk about Vincent and how he's affected them and stuff but it's one of those things where it's a touchy subject for everybody right you know they feel like it is like i don't care if i cry like i i will not apologize i might say i'm sorry if i start crying during something but i'm not truly sorry like i will never be sorry for crying about my son
1: right right
2: you know but i was fortunate that a friend of mine that lives in uh texas you know her and her husband have been trying for years to have a baby for years and they did all the medical stuff except for like the super expensive one. And they're like, okay, like, you know, they kind of gave up on it. Like, if this isn't going to happen, you know, okay, I guess we're just not going to be parents.
3: Yeah.
2: A month after Vincent passed, she texted me and she's like, hey, you know, we're pregnant. Oh. And I didn't know the story previously. And she's like, yeah, she's like, we've been trying for years. And she she told me straight up, she's like, Vincent's doing great things up there. Yeah, And I just, I started bawling, <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: you know, and then a few days later, she's like, yeah, I told my cousin that we're pregnant and her cousin immediately said, well, didn't she just have a friend whose baby passed away? He's like, he's, he's the one that blessed you guys with a child. I'm like, you know, what? that's the stuff I love. I will cry, yeah,
1: but I love it. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm crying now, so <laughs> Of course you will. And it's fine because those tears are always just about there anyway. And when you hear yes. a beautiful story like that, it's going to make them spill. And that's not bad at all.
2: No. Right? Even today, like, I love crying. Yes. Because it's almost like a release. Yeah. You know, I have so many photos of Vincent all over the house. I listen to music in the shower now, which I've never done. And it's, I have like a playlist just for Vincent that makes me think of him, that makes me cry, makes me love him, you know, think of the memories of him. And like I remember when I started listening to your first podcast, I was at work and this was like probably a month and a half after Vincent passed. And, you know, I've never, I didn't, haven't gone to any grief groups or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I started listening to your podcast and you said some things that just connected so well with me. And I was sitting in my car just bawling. And I'm like, this is it. Like this girl, <laughs> this girl gets it. Like she understands, you know, you're talking about you know raw emotions. You're not trying to hide behind anything. And that's like what I need. Yeah, You know, especially at the time and even now, because like you said, on the verge of tears, like I am always on the verge of tears. Right. And if something happens where I start crying, I I just let it. Let him come. For a while, I was, you know, I give myself a couple seconds to cry and then, you know, gather myself. But I read something in a book a couple, like a couple months ago and it said, you know, feel the pain. Yeah. Feel it. So now when I start crying, I think to myself, feel it. Yeah. You know, let it in, feel it. And it hurts.
1: I always think of Gwen with that because Gwen always says you have to feel it to heal it. Yeah. If you don't feel it, then that healing doesn't begin. And it's funny to talk about healing because when you heal, it's not like you go to perfect because there'll always be that scar there. And I want it to be there right? I mean, you want yeah. to have that there, but you do want it healed. You do want some healing. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: One of my hardest days that I had with this grief journey so far, I had to go out of town for work and I'm an instructor for work. So I was busy.
3: Yeah.
2: We start at you know six, seven o'clock in the morning. We're going till seven, eight o'clock at night by the time we get done with dinner. And I think it was like the second night I was out of town. I didn't cry at all that day because I was so busy that my mind could not lose focus on the instructing I had to do. And I got back to the hotel room and just let it out. And that was the hardest day, one of the hardest days for me because that was was the first time that I had not gone an entire day without thinking about Vincent like 90% of the time. Yeah. Because you you start to lose or you start to feel that fear of like, am I going to forget about him? Right. Even though I know I'm not, you still have that fear of like, am I going to forget about him?
1: Absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. And it's scary.
2: Yeah, it it really is.
1: Because you think there aren't that many people that are going to remember him. I have to remember him always, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I know for a fact I'm still in like the partial denial stage. Sure you are. Like I talked about, my heart tells me, no, he might not be gone, but everything logically tells me, yes, he absolutely is. And again, I called my aunt with, you know, I I text her quite a bit with just simple questions, you know, simple questions like, (laughs) how long were you in denial for?
3: Yeah.
2: I say simple because it's a one line, but it's a very deep question. (laughs) And her, her response was, she's like, it took me about a year.
1: And it's so hard to even hear that because you can't even imagine that right away yeah can't i i will i've said this on the podcast so many times about my first group (laughs) support group but i do not want to give the leader a hard time but you know somebody had asked how long until you felt normal again and she said nine years and that totally freaked me out like nine years like, I can't feel like this for nine years. I can't even <laughs> think about nine years. I can't think about nine weeks. What are you talking about nine years? Yeah. I get that now, for sure, because I'm almost five years. Two weeks from today, will be five oh years. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not, I'm not who I was. But I don't know that I ever want to be, either. I don't know that I do.
2: No. You know, my mom asked me a couple weeks ago. She says, are you Okay. You know, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a bad question. Like, yeah. that's one thing I've realized too, is I got to understand a lot of people don't understand this. So when she asked me, are you okay? I said, well, my, my version of okay has completely changed from yeah before Vincent had passed. Yeah. I said, my version of okay right now is I'm able to get out of bed right, and semi, and semi function through, through this world. I said, so yeah, I'm okay. I'm like I know that's not your standards of okay, but yeah. I I am okay, you know, in that aspect. But I'll never be I'll never be the okay as I was before.
1: No, no, you won't. Your definition of okay may change 15 more times in your lifetime, but you're right. It's not going to be the same as it was before.
2: Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I'm totally fine with that. For right now, <laughs> I'm sure my, I will have days where I'm not fine with that. But right right now, today, I'm I'm fine with that, you know, because every, every day and every hour is completely different.
1: Yep. Yep. It changes all the time. It's so funny. I think about that going to work. Sometimes I go to work and I'm just not okay. And other days I am. And I don't know what the difference is on the days that I'm not okay going in and the ones that I am I can't even tell you what it is yeah I can't.
2: sometimes for, for me that's like good that I'm not the same every day yeah you know because if I was if I was having a hard day every single second of every day like yeah. that would be a miserable life
1: it would be unbearable
2: a little small little glimpse of you know I'm you know I'm doing all right right now like that's I keep I always think about like you know something inside me just says everything's gonna be okay yeah you know every you know like when i was given cpr everything's gonna be okay but like even now like on those hardest times of my journey it's like hey it's all gonna be okay in the end yeah you know and i keep staring at the uh what the date is today you know it's it's hard with the baby because every month you always celebrate that one more month and today would be a uh, Vincent's 11 months, yeah. 11 months old. But then also every time after that, the next day is another month that he's been gone. Right. Because he died on the second. So it's like an instant reminder. of <laughs> We had him. Now we don't. Yeah. I'm nervous, but excited for September 1st because that'll be yeah. his first, first birthday. birthday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... I'm so excited to celebrate it, but I'm terrified to celebrate it.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. Birthdays are hard that way because you, yeah. like you want to celebrate a little bit. And, um... But yet it's still so, so hard. Right. Just like this, this anniversary coming up of Andy's death. I feel like that I can just have a, just be sad. Right, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to have the happiness mixed in like you kind of do on the birthday.
2: Yeah, you you're able to justify a reason to just hey, today is going to be hard. Yeah, terrible.
1: Well, I so appreciate you coming on the podcast today and giving us a glimpse into Vincent and his amazing wonderful little life. And again, like I said, I just know Every time I look at little pacifiers now, I'm going to think of Vincent. So, <laughs> And a lot of people will. A lot of people will.
2: Good. That's exactly what I'm going for with that. And I really appreciate you having me on here because I had a whole mindset where I want to talk about Vincent. I don't even think I touched the surface on it because I kept getting <laughs> sidetracked about stuff. But
3: No, I love it. I,
2: I just want to get his, his memory and his stories out there to as many people as possible. And then whatever I can do to help all their parents going through this too. Like I'm like, hey, I don't have much to offer, but if you catch something, yeah, (laughs) there you go. Yeah.
1: And we all do have little pieces to offer. And you offered quite a lot today.
2: Thank you for that.
0: Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax deductible and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.